0: These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. This is Make It
1: M I P. With Massimetta Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It point. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, what do we really know about poverty? As you know, Dr. Barber is a frequent guest here on Make It Plain. But how much do we really know about poverty and how much do we know about who's susceptible to it? Are we more susceptible to it? Is it more prevalent than we think? I've got a guest who's going to talk to us about that. Today, with a brand new book out, he has a really beautiful name. I love to pronounce it, Uh, (laughs) Mark Robert Rank. Mark, isn't that a beautiful name? That's a. He is currently the Herbert S. Hadley Professor of Social Welfare in the George Warren Brown School of Social Work at Washington University in St. Louis. He is widely recognized as one of the foremost experts on issues of poverty, inequality and social justice. He's been the recipient of many awards and his research has been reported in a wide range of media outlets, including all the big media outlets. He is the co-author. Uh, there's a triumvirate of authors in this book, Lawrence Epard, Heather Bullock. But we have one of the co-authors, Mark Robert Rank. In fact, his name comes up first on Jacket. The author of "Poorly Understood: What America Gets Wrong About Poverty." Mark, welcome to Pl- make it plain. How are you, buddy?
0: I'm great. How are you, Mark?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Happy to have you. Uh, happy to have you here with us. So, um, let, let me start this way. What America gets wrong? Define when you say America. Do you mean most of us in the public as citizenry, or we all? Are we talking specifically about policymakers, or both?
0: I think it's both. Um, I think that the way that Americans in general have understood poverty has been wrong and misplaced. And I think our policymakers and our policies have been wrong and misplaced. So um, that's kind of the, the the broad audience that we're gearing the book towards.
1: Speak, well, speaking of what people get wrong, so, you know, of course, we you know, we just ended Black History Month. Let me go right to this point. What a lot of people get wrong is that they think that the face of poverty
0: yeah.
1: is exclusively African American or people of color. Even poor white people yeah. think that poverty is not them, but but yeah. us. How has that con- continued to happen?
0: Well, um, you're exactly right. That uh, you know, in the United States, we've uh, often viewed poverty. Uh, from the perspective of race, that it's a black problem, a brown problem. Um, that the, the broader issue there is that poverty is something that happens to them, not to us. And that that's a huge, huge myth that's out there. So, you know, I've done a bunch of work that has looked over time and asked, what's the likelihood of an American experiencing poverty? Turns out it's a majority of folks. So about 60% of people between 20 and 75 will experience a year below the official poverty line. And three-quarters of all Americans will experience at least one year in poverty or near poverty. So, um, so it's, it's, it's the, the, the reach of poverty is extremely wide. It touches inner city areas. It touches suburban areas. It touches rural areas. It touches white, black. Brown. It touches a, a wide range of folks. And so um, that's certainly one of the important um, facts that we want to get across, that poverty really is an, is, should be thought of as an issue of us and not an issue of them.
1: In fact, isn't one of the statistics you researched that um, one is more likely to live in or die in poverty in America than any other developed country?
0: Yeah. So if you, um, if you compare the United States to any other, um, you know, high economy country, OECD country like Europe and North and North America or Australia, Japan in the United States, um, we have the highest rates of poverty of any of these countries. The depth of our poverty is more extreme than in any of these countries. And we have the greatest inequality, uh, of any of these countries. Um, and so, you know, the, you, you might say, well, why is that? Um, and one of the reasons for that is because the way that we've understood poverty has been uh, misplaced. It's It's been guided by these myths and stereotypes instead of what the reality is. It would be like a doctor misdiagnosing a patient. If you do that, the patient isn't going to get well. Well, the United States hasn't gotten well in terms of poverty.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and, I guess part of it, it it must be, too, there has to be something about our culture, Mark, that allows, affords, if you will, uh, for people to be in denial about poverty. It doesn't, It. I mean, it's something else going on, even beyond the racial piece. It's as if there's something about America and, and maybe it's, you know, our overwhelming optimism, idealism, or what have you that kind of puts us in denial, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. So um, what I would say is that, you know, America has been steeped in the idea of the rugged individual, that you do it on your own, uh, you're self-reliant, you don't turn to the government for help. Um, That's been a strong theme in the United States. And therefore, uh, the way that we look at poverty is Well, there's something wrong with you. Um, You're not working hard enough. Uh, You made bad decisions. We look at poverty as an individual failing rather than as a structural failing. The argument that that we make in the book is that poverty really is the result of a structural failing. Things like there aren't enough jobs that pay a decent wage. We don't provide health care or child care or affordable housing. There's a whole range of structural problems that are the reason why the United States has the highest rates of poverty in the developed world.
1: And you also have some pretty stark numbers as well uh, when it comes to uh, poverty and and just poverty, paradoxically, has its own cost, doesn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I did a study a couple of years ago where, Uh, we looked at what is the uh, cost of childhood poverty? What is the economic cost in the United States on an annual basis? And what we did is we used the latest research that was available. And we know that that childhood poverty is related to higher healthcare costs. We know it's related to less economic productivity when children become adults. And we know it's related to greater uh, criminal justice costs. So we factored all that in. And what we came up with was a, a fairly conservative number that childhood poverty cost the United States on an annual basis a little bit over $1 trillion. So to put that in perspective, that's about 28% of the entire federal budget. And what's happened is what we're doing is we're paying for poverty on the back end of the problem rather than the front end of the problem. And it's always more expensive to pay on the back end of the problem. The other thing that we show in the study is that for every dollar we spend reducing childhood poverty, we would save between 7 and $12 down the road in terms of these, ex- these costs. And so not only is reducing poverty the right thing to do from a moral perspective, but it's also the right thing to do from an economic perspective. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Toure. Be sure to check out Democracy-ish, where we channeled the frustration, rage, and absurdity that was the 2020 election, as well as discuss the current state of the political climate and our country from a Black perspective.
1: New episodes available every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcasts. But again, people don't get that. They don't really want to acknowledge you know, what's going on? I mean, I think we see it most glaringly in in what's happened most recently with Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of his supporters um, might fall at either currently or at some point in life, off and on mm-hmm. into the category of of poverty. Mm-hmm. And yet you would think that would be the part as Reverend Barber does. I mean, he's he's transformed. Some people say, so, hey, wait a minute, you realize you're poor, right? Mm-hmm. And then they, oh, yeah, I need to be in an anti-poverty movement. Mm. But there are others who still... I, I, I wonder if if acknowledging poverty too, Mark, mm. requires of some um, a level of humility that they may not have.
0: Yeah, that's a really, uh, Mark, that's a very interesting point. Um you know, poverty is the folks in poverty, folks using a safety net program, that's uh, very highly stigmatized in this country. And so people don't want to raise a flag and say, hey, I'm in poverty, uh, I'm in trouble. No, people want to hide that, they want to run away from that. And so, and, and that makes it difficult to, uh, you know, you mentioned the, right. the organization, you know, it makes it difficult to organize people when they're trying to run away from this. So I think um, you're right, it, it, it does show, uh, to, to actually acknowledge that shows some humility. But I guess what I'm saying here is that most Americans will experience poverty. So this isn't some isolated kind of thing. It's like, and if people became more aware of that, um, perhaps they would be more likely to acknowledge um, their situation. The other thing that I think you brought up, which was which is definitely correct, is um, Trump tied into the, uh, the fact that over the last 50 years, more and more Americans are not getting ahead. So if you look at male full-time working wages for 1973, once you take into account inflation, those wages were higher for men in 1973 than they are today. Mm-hmm. people are working harder they're not getting ahead. What Trump did is he said, "Hey, you're not getting ahead and your problem is the immigrants, the folks of color." You know, th- right, right. He, that's what he was pointing out. What I'm saying is Trump was right in saying you're not getting ahead, but the cause was dead wrong. The cause is these structural problems that we're, we're producing more and more low-wage work. We're producing more and more part-time work. People can't get ahead. That's the problem. And if we could, you know, again, make people aware of this so that they say, hey, you know, there's something to this. Um, you know, hopefully we can start to move forward uh, in, in terms of really getting policies to address some of these problems.
1: And, you know, and, you know that is the current debate about the minimum wage. Mm. How much would that even as a policy itself put a dent in poverty mark
0: yeah i think it's a good start um you know it, uh, president biden says you know which i completely agree with that you know if you work full time you, you shouldn't be in poverty and mm-hmm. the minimum wage right now hasn't been changed since 2009 it's it, it's still f- $7.25 an hour. Um, there's no way that anybody could survive on that. So I think getting the uh, minimum wage up to, to something, uh, you know, a, a decent level at a livable, livable wage level of, of $15 an hour is a really good start. And then there's talk about um, indexing it to inflation so that each year it keeps up with the cost of living. That's what we do with Social Security. That's why it keeps up with the cost of living. You mm-hmm. do that with the minimum wage wage as well. Um, so that, I think that's a, that's one sort of um, approach that I think is uh, is very valuable and, uh, you know, one amongst many different kinds of policies that we could think about.
1: So it's $15. One of the other points you were saying, I think I have the math right. Yeah. Um, the every dollar that the poverty costs yeah. is $12 on the back end. Am yeah. I saying that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what I was saying about, you know, for every dollar we spend uh, reducing poverty, we save up to $12 down the road. Right, okay. Uh, and, 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 and when you think about it, if we think about this economically, it, it's really smart policy to invest in our people. To invest in children, to invest in human capital—you right. know—not only is that, you know, as I said before, uh, morally correct, but it's economically correct. And and we have for so long in this country, we've written off a, a, a vast segment of the population, um, and that's just not very smart.
1: And it goes with what you're saying about that rugged individualism, which, you know, is has always been kind of harmful. I'm sure some people of my listeners are asking, Mark, ask me about the tape, ask me about the tape. So whenever I have these discussions in the past, I've always invoked the words of Dr. King. And I don't know if you're familiar with his speech at the Montgomery State Capitol, Mm. where he talked about after the Civil War. And there was a a small sliver of a window for African-Americans and working class whites to come together. And someone came up with the master plan to divide them on race. Don't let whites believe they're poor. Um, Feed their starving bellies with the psychological bird of Jim Crow. Those are Dr. King's words. Uh, And how, you know, that, you know, and as you alluded to, that's what Trump's been doing successfully.
0: Absolutely. But listen to this. This This is a quote from Lyndon Johnson in 1960. And he was talking to an aide, and it's exactly on point of what you're saying. Um, what he said was, quoting from him, I'll tell you what's at the bottom of it. If you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that is exactly what you're talking about.
1: Well, the other thing too, you what I find people also don't understand and don't get um, um the book is poorly understood that's what's part of our problem y'all you mentioned social security yeah i mean mark it hadn't been a hundred years yet when folk didn't have nothing there was no social security the the middle class the things that built the the, the middle class as we know it even though that's evaporating um but you know the gi bill all of those things yeah Pe- I think some people think that literally the, the middle class just popped up yeah. under cabbage patch. I mean, these were policies.
0: <laughs> right, right, absolutely. I mean, the GI Bill, Social Security, um, unemployment insurance—all um, of these kinds of things were the result of of government action and policy. So um, you're exactly right. And and the uh, the rise of the middle class in the United States after World War II was was because of some of these policies. It was also because we had a strong economy, but. Um, but but what, what that shows is that government um, uh, can do a lot in terms of improving people's lives. And I think, again, we can look at other countries as good examples of that. Um, you know, you, you sort of have to s- sit back and say, why is the United States such an outlier? For example, why are we the only country that doesn't provide universal health care? Um, all these other countries do. And the, and the reason why they do it is... Not only, again, as I said, it, it's the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do. Um, it doesn't make sense to have children um, go without food or nutrition or ha- or have their healthcare needs not met. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think you're, you you point up or uh, you bring up a really good point here.
1: You mentioned how much better other countries are doing. Give us some ex- examples, Mark. I, I mean, we already know about health insurance. Lord have mercy, but give us other examples where. <laughs> Other countries. I mean, we look in the pandemic. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you even have a conservative leader in Britain, but Britain found a way to pay people's bills, I think, up to 80 percent as soon as pandemic hit. And the United States was still, well, you know, we don't. Really know if we people need to. I mean, so, give us other examples of of other countries that we ought to uh, consider moving to. Go ahead,
0: please. Yeah, I think um, th- there's lots of different examples. Like if if we look at countries like uh, Germany, France, Norway, I mean, those countries are um, they, as we talked about, they all provide universal health care. They also provide um, access and um, quality childcare for for everyone. Um, they invest in their people. Uh, they have a policy that that actually um, it's interesting that uh, President Biden and also Senator Romney have proposed the idea of a child allowance. Um, that is, if you have children, you get some help every month from the government. Well, these countries have had that for decades and and they've been very successful and they're very successful in uh, preventing families from falling into poverty. You know, Mark, what we do is uh, basically, rather than preventing people from falling into poverty, we punish people for falling into poverty. That's what we do. We try to make it really difficult for folks. And again, this hasn't been working. So we need to get beyond these myths and stereotypes.
1: Joe Biden calls, Joe Biden's gonna listen to this interview. he's going to call you and um say wow mark i need you on my council of economic advisors mark rain so you got that it's it's time for your elevator pitch what what is it that you would say to the president of the united states and congress about what they can do about poverty right now
0: yeah first of all i would say you know my elevator pitch would be one of the best things you can do in terms of policy is reducing poverty because poverty is associated with so many other things? It's associated with, you know, incarceration and, and health costs and all those kinds of things. Um, but I would say uh, I would say a couple of things. One, um, let's get let's create jobs that pay a decent wage. We can do that through the minimum wage. We can do that through the Earned Income Tax Credit. We can do do it through a couple of different ways. But let's think about creating jobs that if you're working full time, you shouldn't be in poverty. Let's also provide the kinds of supports that we were just talking about, like healthcare, childcare, affordable housing, um, those kinds of things. And I guess a, a third thing that I would say that you hinted on with the GI Bill is let's think about policies that can also build the assets of lower income folks. We have those kind of policies, for example, with um, people being able to deduct their home mortgage uh, interest that allows them to build their asset in a home. Let's think about policies that allow lower income folks to also build their assets so that they could use those down the road for things like education or starting a business or something like that. So I think, you know, the, the, the issue here. Is not that that we don't know what will what can be effective in terms of reducing poverty? The issue is, do we have the political will? That has always been the problem here. We don't have the political will, and one of the reasons is because of all these myths and stereotypes surrounding poverty.
1: This is very important, and this this has to happen. And this is the current battle, folks. Um, you know, we can't be piecemeal about this. And when it comes to economics, we have got to address poverty. Uh, we absolutely must. And um, uh, Mark, appreciate um, what you're doing um, and and really enlivening this debate. This is a conversation that is long overdue. Folks, we in, invite you to get, see, because here's what, what Mark is helping us to understand is that we poorly understand poverty. That's why the book is poorly understood. So if we're going to even get with our elected officials and policymakers and what have you and address this. Um, and Mark, this, before we go, yeah, I mean, this is probably, I mean, it's probably too early to get full studies, but poverty is probably worsened in this pandemic, hasn't it?
0: Oh, definitely. Most definitely it's gotten worse. Um, there are, you know, there's a statistic from the Federal Reserve that said last year, 37% of people didn't have $400 to cover an emergency. So you've got a lot of people right on the edge of falling into poverty. So yes, absolutely.
1: So let me ask you a question. And again, this may hurt some people's sensibilities and sensitivity and humility. Let me just ask you a question. If, you are, if one is living paycheck to paycheck, what are the odds <laughs> that that's an example of poverty?
0: Oh, I think it it definitely is. Uh, it's an example of, of real economic vulnerability. And I talk to folks all the time that are, that are in that situation where they're living one paycheck, uh, paycheck to paycheck, and uh, any sort of thing out of the ordinary can throw them into poverty. So what we need to do is we need to think about, you know, there's so many folks in this country that fall into that situation. Let's start to organize and start to think about um, addressing these kinds of issues. And, and I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic that, you know, we are starting to talk about some of these things. You know, you're, you're a great example of somebody who's bringing these issues up, talking about these issues. So, um, you know, more power to, to you and to folks like you.
1: Thank you, Mark. And Mark's not just saying that because we have the same name, y'all. <laughs> All right. He's not just doing that. But, but, but we are two great and wonderful and, and handsome devils with the name Mark, uh, coincidentally poorly understood what America gets wrong about poverty. Check it out, folks. Be informed, all right, about what's going on and be informed not only about your situation, the situation of others. This is, you know, it, it, we're gonna reach a point. We're not just gonna be able to get away with masking up on behalf of one another. We're gonna do to do more than wear masks. That is helping one another, trying to help one another get out of poverty with policy, you know, because this economy has to come back somehow. So, Mark Rank, check out the book, Poorly Understood. Thank you, Mark.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me on. Pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating, and please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.